0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. Today, we are in week three of our sermon series called Scandalous, where what we're doing is wrestling with some of those strange stories in the Bible to see how they actually have the ability to transform us while at the same time causing us to squirm in our seats. And so today, to kind of keep this thing going, we turn our attention to that one time that God got into a physical altercation with a human being. Doesn't that sound fun? But of course, to to understand this strange story, we need to do some background work regarding Jacob to kind of gain some perspective in what's going on. So to get where Jacob kind of fits into the overall story of Genesis in the whole of the Old Testament, Jacob is the second born child of Isaac. And if you remember back to last week, Isaac is the child of the promise, born to Abraham and Sarah in their old age, and the one Abraham was willing to sacrifice. And what you need to know about Jacob in particular is it starts with his name, And that Jacob was a twin. He was born minutes after his brother Esau, and the way he came out was holding on to the heel of his brother. So literally speaking, what the name Jacob means is holder of the heel. But metaphorically, when you get into the meaning of this name, you're going to find that Jacob also means the one who supplants. Someone who takes the place of another through force, scheming, or strategy. Or the way I make sense of it in my brain is Jacob was a hustler. How many of you guys know what a hustler is, right? Someone willing to do what they needed to do to survive and thrive, even if that meant doing some shady things here or there, which is exactly the way we find Jacob's life unfolding. Because what Jacob does first is he gets his older brother to sell him his birthright for a bowl of soup. And what a birthright is in the ancient world, it's a huge deal, is when a father died, the way the inheritance works is that 70 to 90% of the wealth would go to the older son to take care of the rest of the family, and then the rest would go to the younger son. And so what Jacob, the hustler, gets his brother to do is to sell his inheritance for a bowl of lentil soup. Any of you guys had lentil soup that tasted that good before? I mean, it could have been chili or something like that. Maybe we talk about it then, but lentil soup. Oh my gosh. Then when it comes to his father and the time of blessing, what we find in Genesis 27 is we find Jacob with the help of his uh, mom, Rebecca, tricking and deceiving his father so that he is the one who gets blessed. Or he pretends to be his brother Esau, putting on a costume and everything. And Jacob is in the end is the one who ends up receiving this blessing which, of course, it sends Esau uh, over the edge. He just lost all this inheritance, right? And he's so angry that his mother, their mother, ends up sending Jacob to her brother Laban's house just to keep Jacob alive. And then what happens is Jacob goes to live with his uncle Laban. Is after Laban first deceived Jacob, or after Laban pulls a Jacob on Jacob, right? You get the pun there. And what he does is he gives him his older daughter, Leah, instead of Rachel, the the girl that he was promised. So after all that happens, Jacob's back at it again as the hustler, where over time he, he builds up this extraordinary amount of wealth based on a very interesting deal he makes with Laban. Then after about 14 years of living with and serving his uncle, and because things have gotten so tense, in the middle of the night... Jacob packs up his family and all that belongs to him and he flees his uncle's house to go back home or back to the land of his forefathers. Which is where the story gets really interesting, right? Because now what does he have to do? He's got to face this brother who he deceived, the one he stole the birthright from. And of course, at this part in the story, Jacob is horrified so much so That as he was about to encounter Esau for the very first time as an adult to try to make up for what he had done or just to stay alive in a procession in front of he and his family, he sends three different waves of gifts in the form of livestock. And we're talking thousands of animals here just to try to win his brother over. And then on top of that, to play it safe. Is As he is sending these extravagant gifts, hoping to win his brother over, he also takes his two wives and 11 children to a safe place so that if something does end up happening, that Esau doesn't receive these gifts, his wife and kids will be able to get away. So this is a dark and scary place for Jacob. He doesn't know what he's going to do next. But then it seems as soon as he gets his wife and kids to a safe place and as he's walking there in the middle of the dark, you know, thinking about what the next day is going to bring because he's got to meet Esau... That's when this craziness happens, or from out of nowhere, this happens. It says Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. No, you guys don't find that funny. Just out of nowhere, a wrestling match breaks out. Yeah, so all of a sudden Jacob is attacked. Just, just where does it come from? We don't know and the picture I have in my head when I read this story, which comes from watching way too much wrestling as a kid, is under the cover of darkness, I see this man running out from behind a tree and clotheslining Jacob and slamming him to the ground. Or, you guys don't find that funny? No, no, no WWE wrestling fans in here. I'm gonna have to come up with a better metaphor then. All right. And then like with every WWE cage match I've ever watched, I picture these two men going at it for hours and hours, back and forth, back and forth, both of them getting the other to a two count, but but neither one of them is able to win the match. And after they continue to do this for hours and hours, um, and no one gets the upper hand, that's at the point in the fight where the other guy figures out he's not going to be able to win, so he starts to play dirty. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him or in an attempt to end these things. This man hits Jacob on the hip with a decisive blow. Maybe an elbow drop from the top rope. Maybe he pulls the chair out. I don't know what he does, but whatever he does is serious because his hip is out of socket. So you you would think at this point, given the injury that Jacob has just received, that this this match is over. This other guy has won. And yet, even though Jacob is seriously injured, we find that Jacob won't give up. Because when the man says, let me go for the day is breaking, Jacob said, I will not let you go. Or I picture Jacob on the ground because of his injury, just holding this guy in a headlock, holding on for dear life. (laughs) which then gets even stranger. I don't even know if that's possible, but it does. Because the reason Jacob won't let this man go is not because he's trying to win. He wants to be blessed. How many times have you gotten to a wrestling match and the end goal was to get blessed? Anybody? Oh, it's kind of a strange thing, right? Then Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Or after these two men have been going back and forth all night, what seems to happen right before the summit is about to come up is they strike up a conversation about blessings and names in that after Jacob asked for this blessing, this man asks Jacob, what's your name? And then strangely, after Jacob tells him his name, this man goes on to do this. He says, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven or wrestled with God And with humans and have prevailed. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and humans and prevailed. Or into the midst of this WWE match that is going on here, this man decides to rename Jacob Israel. And what Israel means is to wrestle with God, which is very, very strange at this point in the story. Why would who renames people in the middle of wrestling matches? But nonetheless, that's what's going on. Yet, we're still not done. Because then Jacob asked him, well, well, tell me your name. Please tell me your name. But instead of giving him his name, this unknown man finally gives Jacob what he wants. And there he blessed him. And there he blessed him. And with that, it's like Jacob lets go. And as the sun is coming up, this strange man just walks away. And then, and then all of a sudden, Just when you thought it couldn't get any stranger, the twist happens. And that we learn that apparently Jacob was not just wrestling some unknown man for, for no reason in the middle of the night. No, we find out that Jacob spent the night wrestling, being renamed and blessed by the creator of the universe. And the reason we know this is because at the very end of this story, which is the twist, Jacob does this. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, for I have seen God face to face and yet my life... preserved. Yeah, after all of that craziness, we find out in the end that Jacob was not just wrestling a mere mortal. No, Jacob was going toe to toe with the creator of the universe. And I I don't know about you guys, but in my mind, it doesn't get much more strange or scandalous than a human being having a physical altercation with God himself. Which then begs the question, right? Well, what in, wor- what in the world is going on here? What is the meaning of this particular teaching? Well, the way I see it is that what this event does is it gives us a kind of metaphorical picture regarding the relationship that existed between God and his chosen people, the Israelites, in that just like Jacob wrestled with God, what you're going to find when you read the rest of Israel's history in the Old Testament is not a relationship where everything is always warm and fuzzy and everything always works out according to a nice, neat little process, but instead the kind of wrestling match going on between God and his people where no matter how many times God tries to teach the Israelites what to do and how to do it or how many times he forgives them, these people continue to struggle and wrestle against following God's ways as God continues to try to mold and shape them into the people he created them to be. Or that's why these people who descended from Jacob are not called the Jacobites. They're called the Israelites because they too wrestle with God. Now it's starting to make sense, isn't it? It's at this point you're supposed to go, Oh, thank you. So now that you're starting to get your brain around that, let me now show you what I believe this story means for all of us today and how if you'll get this, it will change your life forever. So there is this popular notion in Christianity today that tells us that if we just do everything right, you know, follow the rules, all the commands, then what's going to happen to us is we'll grow closer to God, deeper in our faith, and everything is going to work out. Or another way to think about this logic is Christianity is kind of like a five-step process in that if we'll just do these five specific things, then everything else is going to fall into place. Or our lives are going to look something like this. Yes? Now, while keeping that notion in mind, how many of you In your faith journey, if you're actually honest with yourself, you take a moment to think about this stuff, have experienced that as you were striving to do everything right, you know, reading your Bible, coming to church, being nice to those people you just want to punch, you found that even when you were doing things right, following all the steps to the best of your ability, that still things oftentimes didn't work out the way you thought they should. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or or to make this practical, How many of you, while striving to live faithful lives, found that in some ways, yes, this does make your life a whole lot better? It sets you free, it gives you purpose, it helps you to grow deeper in your faith, while at the exact same time, you're also confronted with some doubts and questions along the way. How many of you, At some point in your journey, just when you thought you were over that one sin that you've been working on and fighting against for years, find yourself back in that same hole you've been trying to dig yourself out of. How many of you at some point thought you were on a roll and everything was lining up the way you wanted it to? It looked like everything was going to work out and then all of a sudden from out of nowhere, something bad happens that causes your world to be turned upside down and inside out. How many of you? Have experienced moments in your life where God feels so close, it's like you can just reach out and touch him while at other points, even though you continue to live faithful, he seems like a million miles away. Or how many of you, your faith looks less like this and more like this? Anybody? Well, what I would like to propose about how faith really works is in the same way the relationship between God and his people was messy and hard and complicated as they wrestled with one another, so it is with you and I. Or, from my perspective, the way faith works is not um, like a five step process that, that gets us exactly what we want. No, it's, it's more like a wrestling match, in that in our attempt to figure God out and figure out who he's calling us to be, there's a whole lot of ups and downs and in-betweens as we struggle to get things figured out. Or how many of you, if you're honest with yourself, that's what your faith journey looks like? Anybody else have this success line? If, you, if you're one of those people that has the success line that goes up, I want you to come talk to me because you've got something figured out that I don't. But the truth is, in everybody that I've met, and all the great people of the faith that I've read, nobody's life looks like that. It looks like the other line. And it's been a wrestling match. It has not been smooth sailing all the time. And then the other thing, it's oftentimes in the deep, dark places in our lives when we're wrestling with this stuff, where God actually does his best work. I mean, think about it. Think about the moments that have defined you in your life. Were you defined by those moments when everything was happy and rainbows and unicorns? Or were you defined by that worst moment in your life that made you stronger and helped you to see the world differently? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because the good news, the good news in all of this is that even though this this wrestling match is going to be messy and hard and beautiful and life-transforming all at the same time, if we'll just continue to hold on, You know, just like Jacob, through the night, just continue to hold on no matter what we face or how we feel. In the end, even though we might walk away with a limp because things got a little rough. Ultimately, it is there in the midst of all of that wrestling where we find God's blessing for our lives. It's in that wrestling where God is at work shaping and molding us into the people he created us to be come on people so ultimately what I want you to get what I want you to get is this, this notion that there is some kind of perfect Christian out there who does it all right and their life just sails with no ups or downs or in between because they're. Do- I want you to get that notion out of your head it's just not true no each and every one of us wrestle with, strive with God with others and if we'll just hold on if we'll just continue to wrestle And what you're going to find is that blessing, that thing that you've been looking for your entire life. So, to prepare yourselves to go back out into the world, I'm going to need you to put your wrestling shoes on. Put on your singlet, your headgear, whatever you need. And get ready. Because this is what life is actually like. This is where God shows up. Let us pray. God, again, we're confronted with another one of those interesting, strange stories in your scripture, and we're blown away by a guy just showing up to wrestle in the middle of the night, and then find out that it's you, and it's just just mind-blowing. But then what we find as we continue to wrestle with it is that, and this is a metaphor for your relationship to your people. This is a metaphor for how we go about living our lives on a day-to-day basis, It's not a five-step process. It's a wrestling match. And if we'll just hold on, if we'll just hold on for dear life, then that's when we're going to find the blessing. That's when we're going to find what it is that you've been trying to teach us, the freedom that you're trying to give us. Whatever it is we need, Lord, if we'll just keep wrestling, that's where we find you. So, Lord, we ask that, that instead of running from this or thinking that there's something wrong with us when we're wrestling, help us to embrace it and find you in the midst of it. Lord, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.